Thanks, Martin. As Martin said, as he introduced our service, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're carrying on this fantastic story we find in the beginning of the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. So we're reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're reading the whole chapter. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of the God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realised that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak. For your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. 
The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Amen. Well, good morning all. Um, it's good to be here. Um, I thought I might be nervous this morning, but I don't feel nervous at the moment. I'm, I feel quite comfortable being back in front of people speaking the word of God. Uh, I did it for quite a number of years in, uh, through my previous church. I used to go to various chapels and churches and preach. In, I have said to people before, uh, the minister who used to do the United Reformed Church or the United Church in um, Dorchester, Peter Clark, I used to do his churches in Gravesend when he was the uh, minister there for the area, for the region. So I am used to preaching and I may go on. I've got a lot of pages, but don't worry, they're, they're, they're quite reasonable. Um, but hopefully I won't be too long. So... We've heard about Samuel this morning. We're continuing our series on Samuel. We're continuing to talk about Samuel and about what happened to him. He was a young boy. He was a gift from God, and he became a gift to God when his mother gave him back to her and gave him back to God. And I just thought I would tell you a little story, first of all, of something that happened to us many years ago when we went to the Downs Conference down in, um, in Surrey, and at the horse circuit down there. We went there, and in the conference, at the end of the final night, I think it was, this young couple came up onto the podium where all the ministers were and the preachers were, and they asked for prayer. And they asked for prayer because they couldn't have a baby. They'd been trying for some time. they tried all sorts of methods, and nothing had happened. So they came to the church and they felt it needed God's touch for, them to become, for her to become pregnant and for them to have their baby they really desired. And we all worshipped, we all praised and we honoured God and the prayer was given and the, the service continued and then we went home. And to be honest, we never gave it another thought like you do, isn't it? You, you hear these things and you just go home and you forget about it. So we never thought any more about it. However, the following year, we turned up at the, the conference, and I think it was again the last night, this young couple and their baby came up onto the podium. And we just went, wow, remember that last year, that prayer? That's incredible. And I've written here, I was going to say all hell was let loose, but you know what I mean. The excitement in the, in the tent, it was absolutely incredible. God was just praised and praised and praised because we'd seen a miracle happen. This couple, she fell pregnant almost straight after the conference. God immediately answered their prayer and she came back to present the baby to say thank you to God for what what he had done for her. And that made me think about Samuel. And and I think sometimes his mum must have found it really, really hard to take him back to the tabernacle and to present him to God and then to go home. It was a child she'd wanted for so long and she'd been humiliated by her husband's other wife 
of over the fact that she hadn't got pregnant and now she was going home and leaving this baby or this young boy. I reckon he was probably about four or five when she left him. I don't think he could have been much younger. And I did wonder as well what Eli must have made of it because I'm sure Eli wasn't prepared for this and I'm sure there must have been women in the, in the area that could look after the little boy and help to bring him up. But where Samuel was, the world at that time that they lived in, the country they lived in, was a dark place because God wasn't there. He didn't come very often to give revelation. And last week we heard that a prophet came and talked to Eli. And he told Eli that he was going to have problems for the rest of his life. His life wasn't going to be very long. His son's lives weren't going to be very long. And for generations afterwards they were going to have problems because Eli had failed to deal with the sin in his family, failed to sort out anything to do with it. The prophet said this, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offerings which I have commanded in my dwelling place and honour your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel? My people, therefore the God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would be walked before me forever. Now, the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honour me I will honour, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house, and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And so it went on. Eli realised the sin he had allowed to carry on in his family was now destroying his family because his sons had been doing offerings and taking the greed from it, enjoying the riches they could get out of it instead of honouring God. Instead of worshipping God, they were abusing their position. Eli now had a glimpse of the future. How frightening a future it must have been for him. His heart must have been very heavy at that time. Samuel grew up in that house in that environment, in that atmosphere. And I wonder sometimes how he was looking at it as an outsider and seeing what's going on, how things were going on with Hophni and Phineas and their offerings and their behaviour. It must have puzzled him because I'm convinced that Eli brought Samuel up properly. He brought Samuel up the right way because he knew it was a gift from God, that boy, and he couldn't mess that one up. He had to get that right He had to bring that child up properly, teaching that child everything that God wanted. Eli must have broken his heart when he saw Samuel growing and becoming stronger and stronger in his love for God and his care for God. But you know, Eli's mum didn't, uh, Samuel's mum didn't forget him. She came back every year with her husband to worship there and she brought him clothes to wear when he was growing up to make sure that he had enough of what he needed Samuel was growing into a good fine boy 
Now, I'm a person, I like to look at the Bible, and if I see something a bit I don't understand, I like to investigate it. So I thought about Shiloh. What do we know about Shiloh? Does anybody know about Shiloh and what it's about? Shiloh was a city. Well, we would probably call it a village today, but they called it a city. It was located to the north of Jerusalem and Bethel in the region called Ephraim by the tribes of Israel. When they started to settle down, they built this place and they decided that was where the tabernacle was going to go when they finished their travelling. They took it to this place called Shiloh and left it there. And that's where the centre of worship in Israel was for quite some time. The tabernacle became this centre of worship there. There was probably other buildings around for the priests and others to live, and there would have been storage places for all the food and everything else that they would need. But the tabernacle was destroyed by the Philistines in the next chapter, in chapter 4. And they took the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle and took it away. Sometime later, about 25, 30 years later, no, maybe about 65 years later, King David actually took the Ark of the Covenant, which had been captured back or given back by the Philistines, and taken it into Jerusalem. And he took it to another tabernacle, one that he had made. So, to look at it, Samuel grew up in a world where there was sin even in the temple. He grew up in a world where it was difficult for Eli because Eli knew the future. But Samuel had a strange sleep one night, or rather got awoken in the sleep that night, and he was called. So I've got three questions this morning, and they are these. Does God talk to you? Do you listen? And do you act and obey what God is telling you? They're powerful questions, and I hope to be able to give you some idea of an answer to them this morning. But first of all, I've brought this. I've got two of them in already, but this is a spare one. That's called a hearing aid. That's all it is. A little box like that fits behind the ear, tube goes into the ear, and I can hear. And you may think, so? Well, if I tell you that for a number of years, my family kept telling me I was going deaf. And I kept telling them, you're just talking too quietly. Turn the telly up, turn the radio up, I can't hear you. Or the other one was, um, didn't you hear me? Did you say something? I didn't hear anything. I got these hearing aids because I got to the point where I began to realise that things may not be right. But the first thing I got, and I've spoken to a few people who've had hearing aids, and the first thing I got when I walked out of the hospital with them in was birdsong. I could hear birdsong. And I thought, wow, I haven't heard that for ages. This is incredible. I can hear the birds. And they're marvellous. They, they, they really change it. If I take them out, everything seems to go muffled. And I suddenly re- that's when I realise now just how bad my hearing is. I put them in, I can hear all the higher pitches. All the higher pitches have gone from my ears, but these broadcast them back in. So, I can't, no excuse now for not hearing Karen. Unless I say a battery, oh, battery's died, I'm afraid I can't hear. (laughs) So, 
God spoke to Samuel, but Samuel didn't recognise God's voice. He didn't understand who was talking to him. He'd never heard God call him before, and he didn't know what to do. He assumed it would be Eli calling him, and he ran and asked Eli, I'm here, what do you want? And three times Eli said, no, it's not me calling. But the third time Eli began to think quite quickly in his brain, he thought, it's got to be God. So he told Samuel what to do, to go back to bed, and the next time he heard the voice, the fourth time, to say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So I had a question from that. How loud is God's voice? In the films, we always see when God speaks, we hear this enormous voice beaming and deep and loud. And you can't miss it's God talking to you. Apart from in Bruce Almighty where Morgan Freeman played God and I thought he prayed him brilliantly because he just talked as normal. And I believe that God doesn't shout most of the time. He doesn't have a booming voice. When he talks to you, he talks to you as we're talking to each other. You know, God has many ways of calling us and talking to us. And I've just written a few down in a list. It's these. He talks to us directly. He talks to us through others. He talks to us through his creation. He talks in events in our lives. Events in other people's lives. We see things happen and we think, God's in there. And we realise God is doing something. He talks to us through dreams and visions. His written word, his scripture, when we read it. He also does it through secular writing. When other people write books on his behalf, we read those and we see what God is teaching us through those. And he teaches us through radio, television and film. And believe it or not, he does do that sometimes. We'll watch something and it will just click in our brains that God is doing something. Like the other month when I came in and said about um, Saudi Arabia executing people, executing Christians... I only heard that on the radio and yet it touched my heart that we need to pray for that because this country is destroying Christians. And I'm sure you can add to the list and say to yourselves, well, that's okay because I've been spoken to in this way and that way. But what I want to talk about is face-to-face communication with God. God speaking to us and us speaking to God. God can be loud at times. I'm sure he can. Because parents are loud at times when children are in the wrong, and usually it's the full name of a child when you get them when you get angry with them, isn't it? However, I think most of the time he speaks quietly and easily to us as we would talk to anyone else. You only have to look in the Bible to see that evidence of that happening. Adam and Eve in the garden. Every evening he would come down in the form of God. And he would talk to them to find out how they'd gone on during the day. I often wonder what they actually talked about. You know, what did you do to Oh, a bit more weeding, a bit more this, a bit more that. And I'm thinking, what else did they do? You know, but God came down and he enjoyed time talking to them. Noah, he spoke to him and told him what to build, how to build it, what size to build it. He gave him all the details, what to do. Abraham, he told Abraham... You're going to leave your home, you're going to leave everything, and you're going to go and find a country I've got chosen 
and you're going to make place, and more than that, you're going to be the father of all nations. Moses. Now, Moses was incredible because God described Moses as a friend. He talked to him as he talked to a friend. And Moses was able to talk back to God as a friend as well. And that's an incredible relationship when you think about it, to have God as your friend. We should have, but to actually read of someone doing that is incredible. Elijah and the still, small voice. I love that story because Elijah was in a desperate place. He was struggling really hard. He had been, he'd just done fantastic miracles and then the queen threatened him and his whole world collapsed. He ran away to hide and God sent all sorts of things in and then just whispered to him and he recognised God's voice straight away. That's incredible, isn't it? Incredible. Would you recognise God's voice if he spoke to you? I think we would. I think the Holy Spirit would come on us and would say, this is your Father speaking, your Heavenly Father. There were many, many prophets in the Bible who must have all heard God speak. Jesus spoke to his apostles. He spoke to lots of other people. The Sermon on the Mount I've listed as, as the main one because I think that's where Jesus set out the ground rules for the disciples and the apostles on how to be a Christian, how to live your life right, how to get right with God and to live it right. The Beatitudes I always call a person specification. Although you always take it as individual items, if you put it together, it's a description of what a Christian's life should be, the blessings we should be getting from it. Have you ever heard of a place called Gwenap Pit, anyone? You have, because you've been there. <laughs> it's a place in Cornwall, believe it or not. It's about five miles outside Redruth. It's a very, very famous place, but nobody's ever heard of it. Because John Wesley used to preach there. It's, the original pit has gone now, but they've made a, a, another pit similar to what it was like, but much, much smaller. And the small one they've got will take about 2,000 people standing in it. And that's only a small pit. The pit he used to preach at was between two and 300 foot diameter. It was 50 feet deep and was thought to be a mine depression, but they've not been able to find it, a collapsed mine depression. But they've struggled to find it. Wesley preached there in 1753, and 32,000 people heard him. 32,000. He had no microphones. If he stood at one particular place on the pit edge, everyone in the pit could hear him, and he could talk in his normal voice. And he describes how he did that in a storm, and people heard him, because he knew where to stand. And the suggestion is that Jesus, when he did the Sermon on the Mount, and when he did other preachings to crowds, he picked places where the natural landscape would form an amphitheatre, and Jesus could talk normally, and people would hear him. Samuel only learned it was God talking to him when Eli told him to go back and say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And I don't know how Samuel would have felt about that. He was probably about 12 or 13 years old. It would have been around the time of what Jews today call the bar mitzvah. He was at that age where he was going, transitioning from being a boy to being a man. 
And I don't know if you've ever seen or witnessed bar mitzvahs. I have a niece who became a Jew so she could marry the, the chap she wanted to, and she now lives as a Jew. And uh, we watched her son go through his bar mitzvah on Zoom last year. It's quite interesting. A lot of it's in Hebrew, so we didn't understand it. But it's very interesting to watch all the same. But Samuel was probably around that age, and that's when God treated him as a man. And God spoke to him as a man, not as a boy. He'd gone from being a boy, he was now going to be a man. And that's when his relationship with God started in earnest and began to grow and grow. Again, I'll ask you, have you ever heard God call to you? You know, I had it once down in Acton Road. God said something to me, and it frightened me, because, to be honest, I don't normally have to do things like this, but God told me to go and speak to someone and to tell them something. And I went up and I spoke to that person and told them what God had asked. I'd never done it before, and it really, really surprised me that I could have the courage to do it but I felt God had told me I'd got no choice I had to go and do what God told me but I would suggest everyone here who's accepted Christ as their saviour has heard the voice of God it was a gentle voice that spoke to you and it told you you're in a situation you're in a position in your life you're at a difficult time you need me to get you out of it I'm the only person who can do it why do I say that? well because the Holy Spirit is the only way you can be saved only through the power of the Holy Spirit the conviction of the Holy Spirit does that come Paul wrote this in Romans 10 how then shall they call him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear her without a preacher And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of priests, who bring glad tidings of good joy. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. To hear through the word of God, you have to have the Spirit act in your life. And the Spirit tells us that's what you need. You know, I could spend hours teaching you all about salvation, but unless the Spirit convicts you, it's just words. It's God's movement in your life that changes you. And I'm sure if we all sit and think about it, we realise there was something in our life that changed us, that made us different when we accepted Christ as our Saviour. There was something in our lives that just put a burning desire to know Jesus more in our hearts. So, it was in the silence of the night that Samuel received the call from God and he heard him and he acted. After telling God he was ready, Samuel was given the message from God. If God had made a loud noise talking to him, the whole district would have known what was coming and Eli's secret would have been out. But God didn't. He spoke to him personally and Samuel had to then talk to Eli and Eli would have the confirmation of what God had already said to him. God could have spoken to him through dreams, he could have spoken to him through a vision, but he personally turned up and spoke to him. And Samuel knew God for the first time. 
You know, God talks to us at different times, as I've said. But the best time to hear God is when you pray. Jesus said this in Matthew 6. When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. If you go somewhere quiet and pray, but sometimes stop praying and just listen, and you'll find God will talk to you. You'll feel his assurances in your heart. You'll feel his relief over your troubles coming into your heart and you'll feel better. The modern world tries to drown out the things of God today. We've got our phones, we've got television, we've got radio, we've got all the noise about going on around us today. But 1 Peter, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. God wants to talk to us, but he wants to talk quietly. So, if somebody talks to you, do you listen? Now, what did David speak about last week? Could you give me a blow-by-blow description of it all? I'm not going to answer that, because I'm sure we'll all sit there and go, well, I remember bits, but only bits. We may be good listeners, but the truth is is we forget quite quickly after we've listened. Did you know that something like 55% of what we hear goes in one ear and out the other? We don't always hear it. Apparently, wives are better at talking and listening than we are because they use both sides of their brain, whereas men apparently only use one side. How they know, I don't know, and I'm not going to argue, but that's what they say. But Jesus spent most of his ministry time talking to people. He spoke to the apostles. He spoke to the disciples following him. He spoke to the crowds. And he spoke to the Pharisees, the teachers, and the scribes, and the priests. He spoke to all these people. He had a mission that he completed in three years. I know people who have said they've been preaching for 25, 30 years and they still feel no nearer the end than when they started and yet God through Jesus preached and in three years finished his mission but one of the regular sayings Jesus had was this he who has ears to hear let him hear in other words who wants to hear what I say and take it in and absorb it do so And again, I'll repeat, how many of us listen fully to what's being said? You know, a lot of the time, we're listening to people talking and we're already ready to answer, ask the next question or say the next thing we want to say because we've got that going over in our heads and we're not really taking in what the person is saying. Jesus was mostly having a dig, I believe, at the Pharisees and their lack of belief in what he was doing, both speaking and in his ministry itself, the work. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told this parable to the apostles and also the crowds who'd gathered as well. And this is the message version, so it's a different version to what we usually have. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. 
If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in the Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. You know, it's not just a case of listening, it's taking it into our hearts as well when it's the word of God. It's not just getting up in the morning to read your Bible, fold it up and say, finished, that's done for the day, I can get on. It's reading it, taking it in, and understanding what God is teaching you that day. Leviticus, Deuteronomy might be heavy going, but they're still teaching us God's word. And I was always taught, when you go through the genealogies, what God is showing is how individual he was with people to do what he wanted. And to read it in that way, that we are all individuals, but God wants to be individual with us all at the same time. So he could write a genealogy of this church and it would have lots of names. And each one was touched by God. Jesus became a little frustrated at times, especially with his apostles, because they didn't seem to listen to what he was saying and he didn't seem to understand. But Jesus got more frustrated with the crowds because they were interested in his miracles, but not in the words. That's why he often did the miracles first and spoke afterwards because he got their attention and they might listen to some of what he had to say it was the same with the children of Israel and God God got really frustrated with the children of Israel he'd made it clear from the very beginning with Moses that when they got into their land they were going to fail and of course we know with judges they failed time and time again and as it went through history the children of Israel as they settled down and they formed the country of Israel they just failed God time and time again. And it got to the point where, in the end, God had them taken away as their punishment into exile. And it took 70 years before he would allow them to come back to re-establish Israel. And only a small remnant of those who went ever came back because of that. We learn scriptures from time to time. Jeremiah 28, verse 11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Others, John 3.16, Romans 8.28. Now, I'm not very good at learning scripture. I find it hard to remember scripture. If I have to go for it, I usually have to search for it. I remember the old concordances. You used to go through them, and all the words I ever thought of were never in there. I used to find that so frustrating. But of course, with a computer now, I just type in a few words and it comes up with a scripture. Great, I'm there. I can do it. But we've learnt the verses, but have we learnt the whole chapter or the whole scripture or the whole message that came with that verse? Or have we just learnt that verse? My old pastor's wife, she was amazing. She was in the late 80s and she could still quote scripture and verse and explain what that was about she was an amazing lady and not many people I know could do that and she could even in her uh, great age it was important that the early prophets listened to what God had had for them and they had to learn and listen and repeat exactly what God had said they couldn't cut short what he was saying 
because God had given them the message. The disciples and the apostles, they struggled with what Jesus was teaching them. He taught them so much, and I'm sure we would have done exactly the same. We would have struggled, we would have forgotten so many conversations. But Jesus then sent the Holy Spirit to help them out. Jesus said to them, the apostles, he said, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. You know, Jesus helped them with their memories through the Holy Spirit. They would come to face a situation and the Holy Spirit would immediately put the words in their mouth they needed to speak to do what they had to do. Peter hadn't been baptised for very long in the Holy Spirit. He stood up, he preached, 3,000 souls were saved that day. That's incredible, isn't it? I wouldn't know what to do. I really wouldn't. If I stood in front of a crowd like that, I would, I'd be lost. But the Holy Spirit spoke to, through him and these people were saved. Samuel had to listen to what God was telling him and remember so he could report it back to Eli everything that was said and of course we read he did he did exactly what he was asked God gave him the word he gave the word to Sam to Eli and Eli had the confirmation he probably dreaded that God was definitely going to do what he had said all along again in Luke Jesus said this for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say we should never be frightened by him to speak out what God has told us because God, through the Holy Spirit, will give us the words we need to say. Finally, I've got, do we act or obey what he tells us? Well, I think, really, I've answered that mostly in what I've said already. Samuel was given a very difficult task. For the first time in his life, he had to repeat a prophecy. But he did exactly what God asked. He had to tell his teacher and his mentor that all God had previously told this man would come true. I'm sure that Samuel at 12 or 13 must have been petrified, and yet he did as God asked him. It would build moral and spiritual strength in him, and he knew that if God gave him a message, he would have to pass it on, whatever it was, regardless of the response from the person receiving the word from him. The end of chapter 3 tells us this. Samuel grew both physically and spiritually, and God let all his prophecies come true. He became the renowned prophet of God through the land, and he was also a judge as well, the last judge. And he had a difficult job coming up because he had to then establish a kingdom, which he felt bitter about inside because he felt the people were deserting God. God returned to Shiloh through Samuel and the land knew God's plans. Oh, I've lost the page. Ah. I've mixed my pages up. I'll carry on. God prepared Samuel for what he had to do for the years before when he had had personal tuition from Eli. But now he was leading the way. So, I want to just summarise, and if you hold on, I'm going to have to look up my notes, because I've... Oh! 
Don't we just like it when this happens, don't we? Here we are. Oh, I've got it. Right. Does God talk to you? I've put here, do you hear from God in any aspect of your life? Any aspect. We do. Because God leads us down all sorts of paths we never planned, doesn't he? He took me from working in engineering, he took me into transport. I never dreamt I'd be in transport. Karen then went to work for an organisation in London called the Inner London Education Authority. And I joined them. And as I joined them, she found there was a post in a school bus garage. And I ended up working there. And for the next 30 years, I spent working in special needs transport. I'd never planned to work in special needs transport. I ended up managing, transferring services and managing service for various London authorities. I never planned that. God got that planned. It was difficult at times. Things weren't always easy, but God took us through it. And time and again, he got us together. That's an incredible story in itself, how we met and how we ended up being a married couple for 43 years. You know, God does so many things. But he's speaking to you when he does things like that. He's telling you the direction you need to lead your life. He's showing you the right way to go about things. He does that. So, do you recognise God speaking in your life? Do you thank him for speaking in your life? Do you praise him for what he's done for your life? Do you spend time with God talking to him? And if so, do you stop talking and let him get a word in edgeways? Because sometimes that's what we need to do. We give him all our woes, all our problems, all the concerns in our hearts. We forget to stop and let him talk to us. So do you listen? When he talks to you, do you remember what his plans are for you? Do you remember what he's going to do? We need to learn to hear God, to speak God speak to us and to accept the instructions he's giving us. Do we act and obey? I found it hard when he told me what to do that time. I've never done anything like that before. I was very, very nervous. But once I spoke, I felt the peace in my heart from God to say, you've done what I've asked. We should all be willing to do that for him. Our father wants a closer relationship with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to be our friend. He wants to be a friend as Moses was to him. He wants to reveal his true self to us. That we become more like Jesus every day by our relationship with him, talking to him. Jesus often went away on his own to talk to his father. He needed to talk to his father. He needed the strength that God could give him. We want to be more like Jesus, both in thought and deed. Jesus wants us to be like him. God wants us to talk to him and be his friend. And by the way, next week I might ask what my three questions were. Thank you.